Hello, and welcome to Soul Ramblings, a space for reflections and ramblings while solo hiking the Wild Atlantic Way, sharing whatever needs to find a voice, some wisdom, stories, reflections, and poems, and I hope a dash of humour thrown in too. Enjoy! Polly, I think it's time to put the kettle on. Romance is not just reserved for lovers, it is a way of being, the way of the heart. A sense of wonder. Where and when did wonder leave me? I think it took its friends' awe and curiosity with it. Holding on to wonder was a task too great, and I was beginning to believe that it had been lost altogether. See, being full of wonder and expressing the true aliveness was not compatible with the harsh, cruel and painful world that came crashing into my childhood. How could you express with vigour and passion the beauty of the world when what others seemed to see was ugliness? This seemed, even as a child, a crime, an act of defiance which caused harm. I felt it an insult to point out the wonder and beauty in the world, to rub salt in the wounds of those around me. I'm not talking about rose-tinted glasses, where one walks around with a naive sense that all is right with the world. For even as a small child, I sensed and knew that life was a dance of beauty and ugliness, that in order to appreciate one, you needed to know its contrast. Not too much, but at least once. As a child, I sensed that people saw the world through dark glasses, ones that had been coated in the dust and soot of a lifetime of suffering, pain and ugliness. How could you possibly see the world any other way, if your windows to it are so clouded? With people around you showing you how they saw the world, it was easier to doubt what you sensed, to want to comply, and as an empath, this was a very real experience to my whole being. I wanted to show people what I saw, how I experienced the world with passion, curiosity, awe and wonder. Tired people, they struggle with that. In fact, it felt insensitive, inappropriate, 
and it seemed to be causing pain as perceived to my young senses. This I did not want to do. How can expressing positivity and a sense of wonder for the world cause pain, I asked myself, before I shut myself down. I was age seven. Seeing the world like others was easier in a way. It meant there was no pain for others and I knew a part of me would be denied by doing this, by cutting it off. I was committing a crime against myself, but I wouldn't know that until I was nearly 40. My mother had shared beauty with me as a child, although never too much or your heart would burst. She appreciated beautiful things, such as flowers and kind gestures, but always with a caution, like a caveat attached. Caution may contain beauty used sparingly. My dad exposed me to the garden, to natural beauty, wonder, and he always had a sense that God was in the garden. Although a deeply anti-religious man, as the death of his own dad, my granddad, by suicide, had been extremely religious, and I think at some level he blamed religion for the troubles of the world. My dad showed me wonder. The garden for him was a place of refuge, a sanctuary away from the grind of nine to five, a place just to be in communion with God. I loved helping him, although I'm sure he could have done better by himself. In my early years, I helped him in the garden. I loved standing outside wearing his massive overcoat with orange padded shoulders, surveying the land and getting lost in the crackle of the bonfire. This is when I felt close to him. He was accessible in the garden, away from the stresses of home life, work, and he was sober. This was my happy place. My parents also showed me pain. They pulled me into the whirlwind of their broken marriage. As an empath, although I didn't know that term until much later, I felt it all but lacked the emotional maturity to understand it, let alone manage it. I was a child violently thrown into an adult's world. I was age seven. I quickly saw how the world was ugly, painful, angry, sad, and it churned me inside, sucking me in and spitting me out. I never was the same again wonder, awe, had no place in my life. I was in survival now, and that is a place bereft of beauty. In the land of survival, beauty is a hindrance. You can't take the time to stop and smell the roses. Someone is likely to behead those flowers out of spite, tarmac your beautiful rose garden, or burn down your house when you are out in the garden. There is no time or space for beauty in survival mode. 
Was beauty taken from me? Was it removed to hurt me? Why did people remove things that I love so much? Where did it go? Who took it? Was I ever going to see it again? Was it just lost? It wasn't just something that could be found at the bottom of your toy box. I knew that. So I resigned myself to the fact that it was gone. I hoped that someday it would come back. Like a migrating bird flying south for the winter and returning to grace its presence in spring. It never returned. I was cast into a perpetual winter of the soul, waiting for beauty and wonder to return. I was age seven. Lots of birds migrated that winter of 1989. Beauty, awe, curiosity, wonder, love, trust, confidence, self-esteem, self-value and passion. I knew their song well, but being so far away, I knew they could not hear me. I tried to hold on to their memory, but the memory of a bird, a picture, does not replace the experience of seeing them in the garden and allowing them to touch your heart. The migrating birds seem lost to me and I would have to get on with the business of life without them. And life without them is just business. Cold, disconnected, sad, lonely, without life. Melancholic, monotonous. Survival was like living in winter. At least I had Robin as company. The quest for beauty, although I couldn't put a general label on, on it for many years, on that void inside of me. It became a force. It pulled me along and asked me to hold on tight to that memory, that last sighting in the sky of the birds, that light within me. Something inside of me promised I would, even in the darkness of winter days. This is what kept me alive. That memory of migrating birds carrying with them my dreams, love, awe and wonder, carrying my childhood on their wings. If I felt it being taken away, then I must at some point had access to it. At some point it was part of me. The birds would come again. They had to return. I just had to be patient and believe in magic, whilst all around me was winter. How can something be lost when it is taken from you? Was someone going to bring it back to me? Was someone going to rescue me? Were they lost forever? This loss, this empty, this void, however painful, and it was heart-wrenchingly so, carried a glimmer of hope. If it is lost, then it can be found. If it is missing, then it can be located. If it is taken away, then it can be returned. 
This was not a missing dog or cat, or a parcel lost in the post. This was a piece of my heart. Who was ever going to return that? It wasn't tangible. I couldn't just put a rewards poster in the happy shopper asking people to look out for a piece of my soul. As a child, it was simple. It was gone. Although I never gave up hope. I used to make treasure maps as a kid, pretending we were pirates, following a secret trail with crocodiles, dangerous mines, mountain peaks, facing wild winds. It was all worth it, though, to reach the treasure, which was usually something like a he-man or a she-ra buried in the garden. Little did I know that would be a metaphor for my life, my quest, just hoping I would find more than a plastic action figure at the end of it. In real life, I had no map with X marks the spot. I was completely unaware of dangerous animals, peaks I would have to climb, cliffs I would have to scale, quicksand that would pull me under and whirlpools that would attempt to disorientate and drown me. I saw myself as the pirate, the adventurer, the pioneer, travelling into uncharted territory. Be careful what you wish for. An adventurer on a quest I didn't know I was on, with no map, no compass, no idea of treasure, just a force, a pull, a vacuum of soul and the faded memory of those migrating birds. It's time. Time to reveal why you wanted or felt the need to do this hike. People often ask you, are you doing this for charity? Perhaps are you doing penance? You must have been very bad. No comment on that one. Where to start with charity? Charity begins at home. Charity towards oneself. Mental health, the environment, nature, social justice so many causes for which I am passionate about. Yet what is my driving force for this pilgrimage? A journey back to myself? Perhaps. An exploration of all that is beautiful? Definitely. A celebration of life itself? Yes. Perhaps that is it. It is hard to put it into words, as to support a cause is too small. It does not make it meaningless, quite the opposite, yet I must work from a place I have come to know intimately. A place of healing which is deeply interwoven with the fabric and web of existence that it cannot be compartmentalised. All is one and is interconnected, interdependent. So a quest for an appreciation of life? Isn't that just living? Do we really live though? are we living? Does society, as it is constructed, really support and encourage true, holistic, wholehearted living? I don't pretend to know the answer to that, for that is a personal reflection. Based on my own life experiences, 
I can honestly say that at times I was not truly living, for I was scared to live. Scared of power, scared of freedom, liberty and expression, for that leaves you exposed and vulnerable. Yet when you experience something so profound in your life as I did two years ago, your perspective shifts. Was I just heading towards my own death? Walking the path as hidden and hermit-like as to survive life? Survive life? How is that living? Surely that, by definition, is death. Just getting through it, coping, going through the motions in the hope that I would not be put in the spotlight or exposed for something like living. Yes, I had times where I truly lived, yet I went back to my safe space, my cocoon, hiding myself from the world and ultimately from myself. All that changed in April 2020, in fact, on Earth Day, when I experienced what only can be described as a spontaneous near-death experience, where for a moment, everything made sense, and I touched the void, embracing the light so deeply I did not want to return. Such was the depths of love that held me, in what can only be described in words as being held by the invisible embrace of the universe. Where your heart is imploding with joy, ecstasy, pleasure and love. This is an all-body experience where you feel the power and intensity of the best orgasm you've had in your life multiplied ad infinitum. It is hard to put into words, for the words do not exist, for something so all-encompassingly beautiful, profound and lovingly nurturing. Touching heaven, the light, a moment of enlightenment, meeting God, being held by the universe, however you wish to attempt to describe it, it was deeply moving. So much so that I left my body for a short period. I couldn't tell you how long, as that feeling, that moment, was timeless. It was, and still is, an incredibly powerful and deeply profound mystical experience that may be sought through meditation and spiritual practices. This happened for me while sitting in quiet contemplation, meditation and working on my energy field. This experience will never leave me and has touched me on a level I suspect is hard to describe. I wanted to stay in that place. I had no desire to return to the density of a human body full of pain and suffering. When one can live in permanent orgasmic ecstasy, love and cosmic care, who would return to the to-do list, the mundane of human existence? It changed me forever. What happened after that? The reaction and events that took place after that illumination changed me even more. That is for another time, and it is still raw to speak about it. How my near-death experience, something so mystical and profoundly beautiful, rocked my existence to the core and set me on a course that led me to walking the World Atlantic Way. Let's just say, at this time, the strength needed to get through that aftermath is the willpower needed to lug 18 kilos of a backpack around Ireland. When you have been illuminated, then touch the void of existence, 
Several dramatic and intense dark nights of the soul rolled into one. It teaches you on so many levels, digging deep to the well of my soul. I feel I can finally live. So when you choose life, you choose to embrace the beauty, the comedy and the tragedy of human existence, of life in a human suit. You can finally follow your heart's desire without hiding anymore. When a mystical experience removes, cleanses and eradicates all that you have known to be true, your very foundation of everything, where is it you can go? Get your walking shoes on, ground yourself, grab your backpack and get out there and embrace life itself. Take risks, be you, follow your soul path and dream big. Live, live, live. When you have stared into the face of death, it changes you forever. I wasn't ready to die, so I chose life. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much for listening. Please be patient as I'm doing this on the road. Much love and gratitude. Until next time. Bye.